Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. So, hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of the EHE podcast. I'm joined by Guy and Gary this week. Gary's had a little hiatus for a few weeks, but he's back. But neither of you are particularly close, are you? You're coming in from a long way away. So, hi Guy, hi Gary, where are you? We're in Beverly Hills in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning here, and I think for you now, it's probably about four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, nearly gin o'clock. <laughs> We're a while off gin o'clock, yeah. Yes. Good, good. So a bit of a different one this week, isn't it? But I thought, well, we all thought it would just be really beneficial for the people listening just to talk a little bit about what you're doing over there. I know we've talked about some of the programs that you attend, etc. but I'm happy to just hand the mic over if maybe Guy, if you want to kick off and... Tell us what you're up to. Well, I'll just I'll just okay. start the sort of backstory with it. London 360. It sort of started with Peter Diamandis with a view to share with entrepreneurs around the world what's coming in the future and to give insight into some developments around all kinds of things like robotics and 3D printing, crypto, finance, etc. To give us a, a future and try and get ahead of that curve so you can position yourself or the company ahead. And Guy and I have been coming for many years to Los Angeles to hear Peter talk, and he brings in some very special guests to share their insights in the short and she style for, for three days. And it's very uplifting, and I, I don't know anywhere else I could think like this. Guy, you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've been coming, I think you've been coming for nine years, and it's, it's only been going ten, so you've always been to all of them. And I've been streaming it to begin with, and then I've been coming the last three years as well in person. And, and, and Gary's absolutely right. You know, it, it prepares entrepreneurs for what's coming around the corner so they can do two things. One is prepare their company so that they're ahead of that curve. But it also gives entrepreneurs other ideas about problems that they can solve with the technologies yeah. that are, are coming down the line. So, you know, I see this as a very opportunistic type of conference so that you can be the first to bring something to market to solve a problem with this new technology that's happening. And I mean, my head is being blown for the last two days. This is the third and final day today with what's happening. One of the key points that, that Peter kind of makes is that the news is very rarely good news. When you're watching BBC or ITV or Sky News or whatever it is, it's rarely positive. And yet there's so much positive stuff going on in the world where some amazing people are trying to solve some of the biggest problems that the world faces. You know, things like carbon removal, for example, and that kind of thing where, you know, the likes of Elon Musk has put a hundred million pound X prize, hundred million dollar X prize up for a company that can prove that they can remove carbon from the atmosphere at a certain scale. So that, you know, there's some good people who are out there trying to solve these massive problems. I think that's brilliant. I love, I love the completely negative news, CNN. He gave a 27-second mm. clip on stabbings, murders, stock market going down, Wars. all kinds of things. He's always heightened to, to attract attention, really, and shareholders and pay the shareholders. So, yeah, I, I think that he's written a book called Abundance, and this is about abundance and solving the world's problems, as Guy says. I think if we can just share a couple of highlights that yeah. we've sort of experienced, and, and and they are, you know, pretty much out there. So we, we've learned about three countries that are going to adopt self-driving cars this year. 
There's one in South America. I think California is going to do it as well. This is 2022. So, you know, some progressive countries, eVTOLs, which is virtual takeoff and landing planes, uh, a guy came on the stage and basically he's in production of producing uh, and has a contract with UPS to deliver parcels around the world with his 200-mile radius planes. And these are electric, by the way. They're not, mm. they're not fossil fuel. So, again, solving or beginning to solve a, you know, a major problem out there, our reliance on carbon. Yeah, climate. You know, that was pretty mind-blowing section without the sort of, well, Web3 is just uh, it's a new term that I've learned this this conference. I think you have as well, Guy. Yeah. You're probably a little bit ahead of the curve. But just to give the listeners something about Web3. So Web3 is described here as the largest economic opportunity of your lifetime, and that is everybody in the conference. And it's sort of very closely linked with the metaverse. And the way they describe it is the metaverse being an integration of our digital and physical lives. And they break it down simply, because it's good for entrepreneurs to put it simply, is in three areas. You've got wallets and identity. They talk about social spaces and digital objects, which is NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Yeah. And, and you put it in people, places, and things. So for the first time, if you go back to web phase one, which was read-only. I think the way they described Web 2 was you can read and write. In other words, you can edit it. This Web 3 is about all of those plus ownership, so you can own part of the web. Now, you know, we've got to see this manifest itself, but these are dramatic changes that are coming. So some of the figures that they gave us, this is a Citibank estimation that the metaverse, which is really, you know, what, Web3 is all about being in a different world, a digital world, will be worth $13 trillion by 2030. Those numbers, you can't even imagine no. those numbers. They're just ridiculous. The metaverse economy will have up to 5 billion users by 2030. So let's just say that you know, at 2030, we are there's 8.5 billion people. 5 billion of those people will have access to some form of metaverse and will be living at least parts of their lives digitally online in this new world. Huge numbers. And and the other thing that comes across with the stuff that these guys talk about is that, you know, all these technologies present new opportunities for entrepreneurs and that's what we've been learning. So that, you know, maybe for your existing company, how do you adapt? So, you know, an example I gave Gary is that, you know, for EHE, and, you know, our associate company, Investor Ladder, you know, we run community events. So we run, you know, or Investor Ladder run the events that, you know, you invite investors and entrepreneurs to. So imagine if you've got some augmented reality glasses on, which are there. They're not huge, horrible things anymore. They're getting smaller and smaller all the time over the next couple of years. Legit Leap 2 was here, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's a VR headset. They've got the AR stuff. And the augmented reality, what that does, it adds digital information to some glasses. So you're in the real world, you're maybe wandering around a room full of people. And as you pass somebody, it'll give you the name right in front of your eyes and the company they work for and the sector they're in. And if you've arranged to meet people, it will help you find those people in that room. It'll give you information as to where they are. So there's some really cool stuff that, you know, EAG could Mm. Use you know, utilize this technology. We could have uh, a conference in EHG conference and have our own in, in our own virtual metaverse. Have breakout rooms, so you know, there might be one on investment in the the medical industry. 
It might be one on investment in the in the energy world, and you can you know you can switch between these rooms. And the avatars that they have are actually pretty the, the sort of digital representations of yourself. So I'd be able to recognise Gary in this virtual world. That previously, haven't yeah, it is. It's it's just mind blowing some of the, mm. uh, the developments that that are happening. I think one of the ones that might give listeners a bit of context is in 2014 i think it was peter gave everyone at the conference a crypto coin it was worth two dollars i think today it's forty thousand dollars each goodness Goodness. i know just to give an idea of how far ahead this conference looks at you know and what that means and we've listened to some investors some outlier investors i think arc investments with kathy i forget the lady's second name but She's a real outlier and doing some fantastic things, investing in these future technologies that are going to burst into into the community. Kathy Wood. Kathy Wood, CEO. Yeah. Arc, Arc Investment. I think she's got $60 billion under under management and some really future-looking strategies. And-, and what was really interesting, I felt, there was that she gets up on stage and still, after many years of success, says that she's not accepted properly yet in the investment community because they think that the stuff that she's into and she looks ahead at these companies tesla's her kind of rock star well she she puts it in a different context everyone's got it as an automotive company and and guy actually told me about this a couple of years ago that actually tesla is not an automotive company you know it's 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 yeah well it's a it's a computer on wheels yeah they called it an app and it is tesla is is, it's an app yeah and, you know, it's, a, it's an AI company, it's an energy company, you know, it's blockchain that protects it from a security point of view. You know, it, it's it's kind of all these things that, yeah, but it's not a car company. The way it's categorized in the world, and therefore that's why it's a bit awkward and doesn't sit comfortably in the stock market. They've got it in the wrong place. And she's recognized that. Massively. Yeah. And, you know, all her stocks are in companies like Tesla, all her funds. And, you know, people just don't get it. But people in this room, think differently, think ahead, can see the potential of this. And they are the, the ones that are going to be investing. Well, we have in, to share her, her future valuation. Crypto yeah, go for it. You know, she, she basically said, if they have $40,000, she believes in eight years' time, it'll be a million dollars. Goodness. That's how strong. I know, we, we were a bit blown away and thought, hey, quick, we better be best in this. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's are you coming back with a share? I think we are. I'm going to have a look down the back of the sofa and see what changes yeah. we yeah. pretty. It wasn't a debatable point, actually. It was, she's done the research and worked it through, and that was it. And, hey, let, we don't want to go too much on the finance and the speculation, but you can start to feel the A360 conference where it goes. Today is probably one of the most exciting parts, and everyone likes longevity. And I don't think we want to go too much, but, you know, they're, they're talking about age reversal. They've found what ages us. Uh, and they Goodness. can reverse it. They're already doing it on animals. They they do believe that 100 years old is going to be the new 50, and they've got techniques and strategies to do that. It's, it's expensive today, but it will become mainstream in, in a few years' time. Will we recognise yeah, you they, both when you come back, do you think? Well, we we're, tried to get a, a laser, <laughs> what was it? A laser age. Age, age laser thing. Age laser. Yeah. But we couldn't, <clears throat> it was sold out. We, were just, oh. we couldn't get it. We couldn't get it. Well, what you didn't know is Gary and I did this a few years ago. We're actually 85 each. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Like Benjamin Button. 
<laughs> we're going backwards. No, the, the other thing, Mary. What's your mind, age? What's your age? I, I actually believe I'll make up until thirty-five. That's my. You've heard it here. Heard it here first. Yeah, I will make one hundred and thirty-five. One hundred and twenty-nine. I went for. And the reason I go for one hundred and thirty-five is I'll make just the next millennium. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll just put. I'll, I'll just make a note of that, shall I? <laughs> I need to up mine by a couple of years, and I'll make that millennium. Yeah. That's, mm. Yeah. Mm. So the, now the other thing I'd yeah. like to talk about, if I can, yeah. is that we haven't touched on yet that that I just found again mind blowing is the is the abundance of we're working towards the abundance of food and energy shelter. And, well, food, food and water specifically, I want to talk about, and the fact that we're also you know by doing that beginning to solve a big problem within the climate change issues, which are, is is our desire for for meat as a an, as a world. I think it's unlikely people's, you know, there, there are people, you know, Gary's a very healthy, but, you know, he's a uh, pescatarian. I've certainly reduced my red meat intake. And I think people do that, but there's always going to be a desire, I think, within the human population. People change slowly and, and don't like change, they're habit, habitual. So weaning people off meat is probably not that realistic anytime soon. What is realistic, however, is growing meat from cells, and that's being done. And not only is it being done, it's been done for a few years, actually. We heard about this probably four or five years ago. But what we've what I've noticed this year is that the price of that lab-grown meat is coming down, whereas chicken now is very close to being what you buy it for in the, in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. So now, instead of having to have fields and fields of cows with, with all the issues, with the feed and the water they require, and the deforestation that occurs to, to put them there in the first place, and the methane they generate, you know, if we can generate, if we can grow this from, from cells in a very efficient way, that's just amazing. And then, you know, again, another small point on the food side of things is that they're now building these vertical skyscrapers that are basically very efficient farms. They're built in the middle of a city, actually. So what that does, it does two things. One is they, they grow very efficiently. They use a tenth of the water that is required when grown in a field. The, the gel that they're grown in is packed with nutrients. So again, very efficient way of doing it. And there's no transport because the stuff's being grown in the middle of the city where it's going to be eaten. Mm. So, you know, you, you're cutting down on all the transport costs. So, you know, by growing meat from cells and by growing vegetation in these very efficient vertical skyscrapers in, a, in the middle of a city, already you're making a huge dent in some of the biggest reasons for, for carbon creation. And then as Gary touched on before, you know, we, we looked at the EV tolls, we looked at the self-driving cars, the adoption of electrics going way quicker than anyone expected. You know, I think it, it, the adoption of electric, I think they said it's 4% around the world now. I think that's a figure I, I recalled. Doubling. And, and doubling every year. And people find lots of reasons not to do electric. Their first instinct is to save the range, the fact that they use precious minerals on the earth and everything like that. And they're right to query that, but the reality is that those problems are being solved as well. The range, the batteries are improving all the time. And um, also looking at the solar power of solving the world's energy. Yep. Yep. Geothermal. You know, they're looking at so when people say often, you know, electric cars, that's all very good, but using electric, which is a fossil fuel, you know, you are burning power stations to generate. Well, you know, they're actually solving those issues as well. In the UK, we did pretty well with that. I think it was last year, it was the first year that we created 50% of our 
energy on one day in the summer from renewable energy. And even though it was only one day, it's quite a, quite a meaningful figure that. And if we keep developing the, the, the offshore wind farms and the solar panels, fusion. The, the nuclear fusion, the miniaturizing nuclear fusion, nuclear power stations will probably be relocated. They're very safe nowadays, very safe. They're not like the big old ones. These are very small power plants that can be located within a city and power the whole city, but in a very safe way. And then the final one that I've not really heard much about before, ironically, I've done it at my home and in a very limited fashion, is geothermal. You know, we're sitting on, apparently, the, the heat in the centre of the core of the Earth is... 6,000 degrees. It's the same as the sun. And that's 6,500 kilometres away, whereas the sun is however many hundreds of thousands of kilometres away, whatever it is. So actually drilling down a couple of kilometres, which we do for oil at the moment, you can build a geothermal power station above that and you have this abundant free resource coming from the earth so that, you know, those kind of things are beginning to happen now as well. Yeah. Goodness. It's a lot I mean, of information. It must be, yeah. no, I was going to say, it must be a lot of information to, to take in over those three days, mustn't it? Your head must be um, well, about to explode at the end of to, every day. We do need a couple of days to decompress and work <laughs> yeah. right because it's quite <laughs> intense. It's very intense. It starts at, Sort of well, the program starts at six thirty in the morning and finishes Goodness. about seven or eight at night. God, that is a long day, isn't it? So, what is your process? Obviously, when you come back, you are absolutely brimming with ideas. What is the process that you do to make sure you kind of are building on all the kind of energy and excitement that you're getting over there? And and kind well, I of think I think the, f- the first thing for me, it's a really good point. I think the first thing is it's a mindset. Okay, one of the great things we talk about a lot is an entrepreneur's mindset. Mm-hmm. And this just sets it. You've got a lot of positive people. They think right. You learn by osmosis, really. So you, your mindset is positive, number one. And it's open to ideas. And you've heard it before in different guises as it comes on the news and, and develops. So that, that's the first one. The second one, this is how I do it, is I go into a room for two or three hours and actually decompress exactly what I've learned, what can work for me, what can't work for me, all my businesses, and then just go and act on them. I think the other point is that when you have that knowledge, when you come across situations, you're in a far better position to solve that problem than, than you would be if yeah. you didn't have this knowledge. So sometimes it is planned and it is kind of built into the business over a period of time and you're making use of the technologies. Sometimes you go, it's like an aha moment. You come across an issue, you go, do you know what? I can solve that. And the way I can solve that is blah. And it's because you heard it in abundance maybe three years prior. I can give you a, a practical example. Yeah. School. 16 year olds and it was, it's very clear that the world is going to you know the airplanes pilots are, are going to be almost redundant because they're just well they fly by wire now so they don't do a lot it's just take off really or landing and even sometimes they don't do that in these uh, these planes but it's a really interesting question now if you want to learn to become a pilot when you're going to be redundant because it's all done automatically mm. an interesting question it's quite a practical one is that do you want to to do that because they can do it. So you're going to be, at best, you're going to sit there just to satisfy the humans that don't want uh, an automatic driving plane. So, you know, there are very practical things that we learned here that actually could be taken back and fed into all kinds of areas, really. I listened to a, a talk last night by Eric Schmidt, the ex-Google CEO, CEO for 10 years, chairman for five years, worked with Google X, the, the research and development arm and so on. And it was just an incredible listen. And, you know, he thinks within the next five years, the AI will reach a point where it's 
almost ubiquitous and really meaningful and we're beginning to use it and as that happens actually so this this raises an interesting question which has been touched on here there's going to be certain jobs that people they're going to be made redundant and the only safe jobs they reckon at the moment are going to be in computer programming as a computer engineer for the time being your job safe and, and creative and creative creative yeah. industries and the, the ones that require human touches like the creative and care industries are going to be you know you're not going to replace them any anytime soon robots will help with those kind of situations a little bit i think we've, we've seen some robots here as well yeah 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 so again gary's right kids need to schools are not latched onto this yet i know that this mm. kids need to be aware where they're likely to find employment and the reality is that we are going to be working less in the future you know this four-day week thing that people think is bad it's, yeah. it's mm. not and some people are going to be out of a job but because ai is going to be doing things robots are going to be doing things then productivity is still going to be very high we are still going to be generating abundance around the world and it'll be you know it'll seep into every area of the world over time so this universal income you know we are probably going to have to pay universal income in the next five to ten years to people because the productivity will be high but there'll be less work for Getting them the story. So just very quickly before we do wrap up, obviously it is quite time consuming and probably not cheap to go there. What piece of advice would you give to entrepreneurs that probably do need to get themselves into this kind of this type of content and mindset? What are the things they can do, uh, you know, closer Wait, to home? He has, I think, well, number one, Peter has a newsletter, uh, an yes. e-newsletter. Future Loop is called. Okay. It's called tapping his name and, and subscribe to that, which gives you some real good insights. Yep. That's, that's certainly number one. And keep your eyes on the news of what's coming in the future. It's no good listening to the news because that's by the time the news gets it, yeah. it's it's mainstream really. So you've got to get ahead of that curve. And I think Peter's a very good. And resource. his books, you know, the books. books there's there's bold, bold there's abundance. Okay. Uh, the future is faster than you think. Yeah. If you just go on to I don't know Amazon, like some famous type of yeah. Peter Diamandis. We could link the books, actually, can't we, in the end of the podcast? I know, Guy, you've mentioned a couple of those books before to me that you've read, so we'll make sure we link that in the podcast description. And there is a, a, a virtual membership as well that you can have access to. Yeah, okay. which is a value. So you can zoom in, basically. Yeah. Okay, uh, cool. Which is obviously a lot cheaper, but it's, it's nothing like being here, obviously. But I think it's our responsibility as leaders in the entrepreneur communities to go back and share which hopefully we've done a little bit of today. Yep, a little bit, a little bit, and yeah. There's, one, there's one other I just want to share. Mm. We haven't mentioned this guy, but and we haven't got time to go into detail, but there's a guy called Salim Ismail. So S-A-L-I-M and then Ismail, I-S-M-A-I-L. And he's the founder of a company called EXO Works. And EXO stands for Exponential Organizations. I think we um, another podcast. We should do another podcast on that, but that's definitely his book. Is definitely something that's worth doing because it, it gives a framework to help you understand what you need to build to build an exponential organization, which is solving one of the big world problems. Okay, brilliant. Thank you both very much. I know you've got a really packed day as we're about to wind down. You're about to, to wind up. So appreciate you chatting to us and um, we'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks when you're back and see see yeah. what else you've, you've taken from it. Okay. Cheers, Larry. Thanks. Thanks Larry. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website, ehe.capital, for further insights and to join the EHE community.